Today on Abounding Grace, slow down and meditate on the Word of God with us. This is amazing grace. In this fast-paced society we live in, we need to, at times, slow down and take time to consider Jesus and all that His Word has to say to us. We'll learn how to do that today on Abounding Grace as Pastor Ed Taylor digs deeper into Hebrews chapter 3. This last 12 months or so have been challenging for many of us. We're facing difficulties and issues we've never seen before. But God, through His Word, has all the help and comfort we need. Here's Pastor Ed to explain. He says, consider Him. In all that you're going through, consider Him. Slow down and think about it. Slow down and observe Him. Slow down and receive from Him. Slow down and consider Him. Notice, He's the high priest of our confession. Now, that word confession means to say the same thing. You know, like the Bible says in 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The idea of confessing our sins is to say the same thing about them that God does. To confess our sins and say, God, I've sinned against you. And yes, we as believers still continue to sin. So we confess our sins and we ask for forgiveness. And what does God do? He cleanses us and he wipes away the stain. And he reminds us of the forgiveness that is ours in Jesus. We confess. That's why... That's why I like singing so much. I didn't start out that way as a new believer. I didn't like the singing part of a church service. I just didn't like it. It was weird to me. It just didn't make sense. Now, it's kind of dumb that I even thought it was weird because I would go to worldly concerts all the time and scream my head off at concerts. But the music was different too. It was crazy metal, all that. It was crazy music. So when I come into a church service, and in our church, they led, uh, they led worship with a piano I'm like, I don't know about this. I don't think I can be a Christian. This is a music. I'm not sure I'm going to do this, all right? I don't think I'm going to make it. And so I would come in late after music, and I would leave early. That's what I did in the early days, because I just didn't think I could do it. The Bible study I could do, music I couldn't. But over time, God taught me the importance of music. God taught me the importance of worship. God taught me to embrace different genres of music, especially that which glorifies God whether it's the old hymns or some new modern song, that doesn't matter which, as long as it glorifies Jesus Christ, man, I need to jump in and, and enjoy it. And I love corporate worship because it's really the closest thing that we experience as it relates to unity. I mean, think about it. Any of the secondary issues that might be in here, any of, well, you know, I don't believe in this, Ed, and I'm from this denomination, I'm, all that secondary stuff it isn't even there during worship. It's not even there. What are we doing in times of worship? We're all singing the same song pretty much at the same time, saying things that glorify God together in unison. Some of you sing with such a beautiful voice. Some of you sing with not such a beautiful voice. <laughs> Others of us make a joyful noise. Some of us whistle and hum, but we're all heading in the same direction at the same time to the same tempo to everything together. It's the closest taste, I think, of heaven singing together. 
whether we're singing a cappella, whether we're singing with a full band, whether it's a piano or a guitar or a harmonica, who cares? When we're singing together, we're together. And nobody's really arguing about last night's dinner. Nobody's really arguing about, well, you know, our church believes this, and this is how I was raised. And I, None of that's happening. Why? Because we're the closest as possible, all caught up in the presence of God together. It's a beautiful thing. That's why we take this music with us, and we sing in the car, and we sing in the shower, and we sing while we're while we're cleaning or we're listening to worship music, while we're driving or while we're working around the house, even if it's just one of us, we're then in unity with the Lord singing praises to Him. And it just has a way of... You know, music is a powerful force. And it can be used for great worship. And as we see in the Bible, it can be used for great false worship. As we see in the book of Daniel. And... God is wanting to do a work of unity and that we might have the same confession. We confess today in the life of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. We confess today in the death and the torturous crucifixion of Jesus Christ. We also confess today together the resurrection of Jesus Christ and the ascension of Jesus Christ and His soon return. It will happen at any time. We all confess in those essentials. We confess together the virgin birth we confess that God alone is the creator of the universe, that God has revealed himself as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We all have that same confession. And we're to consider who we confess. That's what he's saying. We're to consider. We're to slow down and carefully consider, understanding fully. Not just a quick look, not just a quick glance, but a long-focused gaze. And I have to say, this has become a foreign concept in our modern day society and culture. This idea of slowing down and paying attention. We have become a society that doesn't pay attention. We have become a society that is fast, 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 fast. We got to go as fast as we can. We've become a society, I know some of you work, you know, you, at work you've gone through a layoff. So now you have double the work and half the staff. And so you go and ask for help and you go, what are we going to do? I got double the work and half the staff. And what do they do? They send you to a seminar on efficiency, which basically means that you work three times as hard now. That's efficiency. You do everyone's work that was laid off. And now you're just running, running, running. But what happens? The burnout rate is going through the roof. Because you can't, efficiency, you know, it, there, there are definitely ways that we can do things better. I get that. But, but what's happening in our society is they're trying to get more out of you than you're capable of giving. And people are being broken and crushed under the weight. But how about something that's a little bit more closer to home? Because we live in a culture today that our minds are literally being re-engineered. Our thinking is literally being changed right before our eyes, literally. Minds change literally right before our eyes, literally. And you say, Ed, what do you mean? Well, there's going to be a generation, if the Lord doesn't come back soon, the next generation is going to look back on our generation and shake their heads. Because they're going to do a study 
in the proliferation of social media and the proliferation of smartphones and tablets, and they're going to be able to come to the conclusion of just how much damage it really did to our society and our generation and the generations to come. If you don't believe me and you're still skeptical, consider what a day looks like now for a typical kid or a teenager or maybe even you. We glance, flick, flip, scroll, slide through things, give them a double tap here, a thumbs up there, most times before we even open the Bible. I mean, you wake right up and boom, what did they post last night? What's going on over here? What's happening over here? You even get to the point where you're so absorbed within your smartphone or your tablet, you're so absorbed in it that you're double-clicking pictures you're not even looking at and appreciating and seeing because it's fast, fast, fast. You go from Instagram, you go to Twitter, you go from Twitter, you go to Facebook, you go to Facebook, and who knows? You know, I've unplugged so much from that, I don't even know what else is out there. And the kids, that's all they're into. Your kids, my kids. Don't take this like as a pastor speaking at you. I've had a smartphone since they were invented. I remember carrying all these pagers when I was at work and being very jealous that my boss had a pager with a keyboard on it. It was the primitive version of the Blackberry back in that day. And I begged him to give me one until he did. And I remember reading the news and buzzing all the time. And, and now look at us. And so we're flipping, flipping, flipping and going through and double clicking. I don't like this. I like that. And even sometimes even stopping. I think I'll say something about this. And then posting and boom, boom, boom. And then life is going on all around us. So that now there are all, of, all kinds of the world is studying all these things. They have all kinds of syndromes and everything there. But I'll tell you what I see. I see people on vacation. They are in the moment. They are in one of the most exotic, most beautiful places in the world. And it's... I got winded just doing that. <laughs> And now instead of being there, we're taking pictures of being there. Oh, don't misunderstand me. Obviously, we're going to take pictures and we're going to have memories. That is not what I'm talking about. It was so bad at Disneyland that they now have a policy that forbids the selfie stick. Because people were getting crazy with it. They were getting crazy. They were on rides, and it was hitting out. You know, it was just like, oh, everybody's there. And everybody's like, watch out for your stick. Watch out for your stick. And it was just crazy. So you can't take it in anymore. They'll take it away from you. I don't know that from experience. <laughs> but I do have a selfie stick. Who else has a selfie stick? All right, well, we'll have a little support group after service. I would dare say today as a pastor, the challenges that I've seen over the last few years, that you're having a hard time paying attention to me right now because your phone is buzzing, clicking, moving, brightness. And, and you don't know you're even using the Bible on your phone. I'm not opposed to that. Although I do think you should get a paper Bible. Let's just say you're using your Bible on your phone, your iPad, and then a text comes up. And automatically your attention's taken away from me. And then it's a text, you know, what are you going to have for lunch? I can answer it real quick. I want this. And I go, no, we're not going to have that. And before you know it, we're singing the last song. And you're wondering what kind of beans you're going to have at Chipotle, man. And you're just like, I don't know. And that's what I want. And it's just the way it is. It's just the way it is. It wasn't too many years ago. It was probably, I don't know, eight, nine years ago. I don't know what it was. 
that God really busted me on this because I was at a conference. I wasn't teaching. I was at a conference, and I was with someone from another, another pastor. We went together, but uh, for some reason, we were separated uh, for this session, and I was sitting over here, and he was sitting over there, and I was texting him across while the guy was teaching. I was te- we had a long texting conversation, the whole thing, and, the, and as I felt like heaven was saying, Ed, what are you doing? And I had to give a real strong revelation and I had to give God, allow him to give me a revelation of where I was, that I'm in the presence of a Bible study with a man gifted as the pastor teacher, and I'm not paying attention. And it happens in everyday life, too. I can't tell you how many times my precious wife, Marie, this is how it works. I'm on, my, I'm on the couch doing something on the phone, and she's behind me in the kitchen. And all of a sudden I hear, did you hear me? No, she doesn't say it like that. <laughs> so, it's like this, did you hear me, honey? No, no she'll, she'll say, well, did you hear me? I go, no, I didn't hear you. So I just said such, such, so, so, and I'm like, well, I didn't hear you. Well, you're probably on your phone. I mean, we're only feet away. It's not like our house is like super huge. The kitchen's right behind the couch, like right there. I could feel the heat of the stove on my couch. It's right there. And Marie's there. I could feel her presence. You know guys what I'm talking about. And not... At least once a week, she's upset with me because I'm not paying attention. And she's true. It's true because I'm focused on my phone. Texting, emailing, love communicating. And it's not even in a bad way. It's just the way it is. Right? It's not even bad. We're not, I haven't even gone over to the bad. But, you know, I, many times, you're always on that. It's always that phone. It's phone stuck to your hand, you know, while she's on her phone. Your phone's stuck to your hand, you know. It's like, babe, life has changed. Still unconvinced? Are you still unconvinced? Because some of you remember that you had a bookshelf dedicated in your house to a collection of encyclopedias. Do you remember those? That's where you used to get information. Or you used to use the card catalog. Do you remember the card catalog? Where was the card catalog? Oh, there's a such thing as a library. That's right. And that was the only place that you would go to find information or you would ask a trusted elder, someone older than you that's been around longer than you. You would ask them a question and they would give you information of their own experience. And we would have this respect for our elders because they were so smart. Today, if I asked you a question in less than seconds, you would spout off an answer because it's right in your pocket. I can tell today, too, when I'm having meetings with people, and I have frequent meetings uh, with guys all around the city, primarily pastors, and I already know how the conversation's going to go by the position of their phone. If their phone stays in their pocket, we're going to have a pretty good conversation. But then the phone will come out, and it will be on the table. And it will be on the table one of two ways. If it is put on the table face up, then it's going to interrupt us three or four times. It's going to flash, buzz, beep, and maybe even be picked up by the person. And what I like to do, I don't like to leave it in my pocket because it's uncomfortable when I sit. So what I like to do is I do take it out, I put it on the table, and turn it upside down. Because that, it's always on silent. So upside down, and I keep it there. And when you turn it upside down, you have the setting there, well, it, won't, it won't affect you. It will be gone. It won't, it won't interrupt us. And now you're kind of thinking, how, what do you do with your phone in conversations? We have a rule in our house. No phone at the table. 
No phone at the table. I got adult kids, I have to tell that. No phone at the table, but so do I. Why? Because when we're eating together, we need, but how many had a rule, no phone at the table 10 years ago? Nobody. There weren't phones to worry about 10 years ago or 20 years ago. Maybe I need to go a little bit farther. Technology is changing us. The, the, the way that the world works changes us. And the Bible says, which the Bible has the truest. See, all these changes are temporary. They're just temporary. The Word of God can transform your mind. You can be renewed by the transformation of your mind by God's Word. It is living and powerful. And the answer to the Hebrews was, consider. And paraphrasing that for us today before we head out is, slow down and consider Jesus Christ. How do you do that? Turn over to Joshua chapter 1. We've got a few minutes. Joshua chapter 1. I don't want to leave without emphasizing this because Joshua is in a place of difficulty himself. He's in a place where he's going into the promised land. He's taking over for Moses. He's fearful. He's concerned. He's second-guessing. Joshua chapter 1, verse 7. God says, Only be strong and very courageous that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may prosper wherever you go. God has revealed himself in the Bible. And Joshua only had the first five books of the Bible, the law of Moses. And that was going to be the key for you, Joshua. Be strong, be courageous, and use the Bible. Use the word in your life. Notice verse 8. The book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. But you shall, and there's that word, meditate on it, day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it, for then you will make your way prosperous, and then you'll have good success. Haven't I commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Be of good courage. Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. See, if, if you leave here today, you go, oh, you know, Ed's all down on technology. You've missed the whole point. We need to adapt ourselves into the culture that we're in. But we have to do it in the right way, by trusting in the Word of God and not the human methods of man, not getting our answers from everyone else, but get, coming first to God, letting God's Word be in us, meditating in it day and night, letting it drive our lives, letting it answer every question, letting it give us insight and wisdom and living our lives according to the Word of God. And how do we do that? We do that through meditation. Meditate on it. Now, in Joshua chapter 1, the word meditate in the Hebrew literally speaks of slowing down, thinking things through. When you hear the word meditation, though, it's most often associated with meditation in the world. Now, in, in the world, when meditation is mentioned, the meditation that's mentioned there is from Eastern mysticism. It is not from the Word of God at all. As a matter of fact, I've got an article here. Let me read to you the first paragraph. According to Buddhist teaching, the self is an illusion. The religion preaches a fundamentally selfless worldview encouraging followers to renounce individual desires and distance themselves from self-concern. To advance this perspective, millions of people around the world practice yoga and meditation. That's the world's solution. 
Yoga and meditation are rooted in Hinduism. Buddhism is just a form of Hinduism. And it's a selfless, you know, if the idea is in order to reach nirvana, you just got to deny yourself, deny yourself everything, food, pleasure, and everything. But haven't you ever wondered the, the inconsistencies in this world? If Buddhism emphasizes the denial of yourself and all things, including food, why are the statues of Buddha so big? <laughs> just consider that. I mean, the message must have not gone to him because it's inconsistent. Meditation is not this idea that we, we have received in our world from Hinduism that you just empty yourself so you can become one with the rocks and the trees and one with it. That is not from the Lord. Meditation in the Bible is exactly the opposite as the world teaches. Is that any surprise to you? That the Bible is teaching exactly what we grew up knowing and learning and what's so popular today in society. Meditation, according to the Bible, is filling yourself with the truth of God's Word. A good point there to end with. Meditation, as the Scripture teaches, isn't emptying our minds, but rather filling our minds with the Word of God. We're going through Hebrews right now on Abounding Grace, and Pastor Ed Taylor has been in chapter 3, which exhorts us to consider Jesus. If you'd like to hear it again, go to AboundingGraceRadio.com, and we also offer the program by podcast. Look for us on Apple Podcasts. Another way to listen to Pastor Ed's teachings is through our mobile apps. Do a search for Calvary Aurora, and you'll be able to download both our church app and the Grace FM Colorado app. Pastor Ed, this is our first time together to discuss our featured resource, Winning the War in Your Mind. How do you think this may help those of us that struggle with our thought life? Well, you know, Larry, it's interesting. I was just talking to a brother this morning, and as we were talking about what was going on and some things that needed to be addressed, uh, I felt like the Lord wanted me to remind him that the battle that he's in is in his mind. And while we can't really stop where the thoughts coming in or the images or the memories we don't have the ability to stop those. I mean, other than closing our eyes, you know, but even if you close your eyes, your mind's going to, you know, you guys that are listening, you know that the mind is the place of the battlefield, just like I was telling him. And and I, I trust Pastor Craig Groeschel. He has uh, given us so much uh, in relation to the teaching of God's Word that this book really deals with out-of-control thoughts being unable to break free from the spiral of destructive thinking. Because here's the thing, what you believe will dictate how you behave. And you can see that the whole world, all of humanity was plunged into sin because a man and a woman believed a lie and acted on it in disobedience to God. That's the same pattern for all of us. And I just want to put tools in your hands this year that will help you. Like in the beginning of the year, we made available to you the book I just finished, God's Help for the Troubled Heart, because I want you to be encouraged. I want, whether you're grieving or just sad or dealing with any difficulty, just the troubling heart, I want you to be encouraged. And then we went to the next resource, the Calvary Road, because humility and brokenness before the Lord is used greatly. Now we come into a new month and we go, okay, look, it's time to battle. Uh, God's going to be healing. He's going to be strengthening. Now let's take control of the thoughts. And, you know, you may think, well, we just put books here to support abounding grace. And certainly your support is great, but that's not my heart. 
My heart is this, that we put good resources into your hands, into your hearts, into your lives, so you can build a good spiritual library. Because you may, you guys may listening may not know this, but the pick of the month for Abounding Grace is the same pick of the month for our church family. And when I tell my church family this, I say, look, guys, I want you guys to build a good spiritual library. This is a book you want to add so that your mind can be clear. We're living in the last days. The Lord is coming back, and he wants you equipped for the battle, not just to be fighting all the time on your heels, but to move forward with all that God has for you. I hope it encourages you. Whether you get it here or you get it on another platform somewhere, just get the book get it into your heart, and then send us your feedback. Let me know how it goes. I want to hear the testimonies of what God's doing in your life. That's winning the war in your mind. We'll gladly send you a copy with our thanks when you support Abounding Grace with a gift of $25 or more today. Call 877-30-GRACE. Well, that's all the time we have for today, but come back next time when we'll resume Pastor Ed Taylor's study of Hebrews on Abounding Grace. This is amazing grace This is unfailing love That you would take my place That you would bear my cross You laid down your life That I would be set Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church, Colorado, here in Aurora.